Yo, are you thinking about starting your own podcast? It's really easy to do. All you need is anchor.fm. That's where I host my podcast. And let me tell you why. Because number one, it's free. Number two, there are tools that they have on their website or in the app that doesn't crash on me all the time like the other hosting service I was using. You can do it right from your phone or your computer. They distribute it for you to Spotify, Apple, Google, lots more. And you can make money. Hello. And you don't have to have a minimum listenership. So even if you're small potatoes like me, you're just getting started. You can make money right now. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Destroy the show. I am your benevolent leader, HQ, and I'm here to give you a little um, info on the podcast since I really meant to do that last time and I didn't. But uh, last time we were here, you know, we had that two part episode interview with Savage Five, the rapper with five personalities. And, you know, I was thinking about it and I said, hey, Hey, the people deserve to know what's up, what's up with this podcast, what's the deal. And in case you hadn't, you know, derived it from the cover art or the description or the music I'm playing in the background or the interview with the rapper, this is a podcast about rap and hip-hop. And uh, as for me, um, well, I, uh, I, I know this may be a shocker to a lot of you, but I am, I'm a white person. I know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, how did I get into this? Like, what's my deal? Um, I'm a sort of, I don't know, my middle-aged, I guess. I'm in my mid-ish, 30s-ish, and I'm white, and I'm from uh, Colorado. Okay, I'll just say it. I'm from Colorado. And <clears throat> I've always been into hip-hop since I was really little. And how did this happen? Well, when I was real young, and I mean like three or four years old, I remember seeing it on TV, and I remember seeing it on uh, the Arsenio Hall show, and I'm seeing it on In Living Color. I remember, you know, before In Living Color and Arsenio Hall, there was MTV had just come out. You know, I'm an 80s baby. And I remember watching it like my parents would go to work, or they they I'd get home from school and they'd come home from work like a little while later cuz it was the 80s and I walked to school and it was different back then but um when I was watching TV when my parents were gone for that little time I had I was watching MTV I was watching the Jukebox Network we talked about that in the interview um Jukebox Network was basically a, a TV show where or a channel, excuse me, where people could vote by calling this 900 number. They'd actually pay per call to vote on which music video got played on TV. And invariably, it was a lot of rap, specifically Two Live Crew and you know other rap videos that had a lot of you know booty in them. But regardless, I was really into this sound. I was into this sort of new genre of music that was still in its not infancy, I guess, pre-teen, pre-teenery, um, because 
like, let me put it to you this way. If you, if you don't know, and those of you who know will, will probably agree with what I'm saying. Rap and hip hop was not always so mainstream. It was not always so commercial. You couldn't go to a store and hear rap or hip hop being played on, in the background. You couldn't see it on TV commercials. It was kind of like how punk rock was in its, in its infancy. Or, you know, people would say, well, what kind of music do you listen to? And invariably, everybody almost, you'd, you would hear say, I like everything except rap. I don't like that rap crap. You know, whatever. That was what white people said. But you know how today people are like, oh, I listen to everything except country. You know, it, it was more rebellious. It wasn't, especially for a white kid, you know, from basically suburbia to, and a girl to be into that kind of music. And so it was kind of a stigma about it that, and that's not really what made it appealing to me because I could never understand. I had lots of friends and other people I knew that I could tell they really liked it. They liked the sound of it. They liked the the lyrics or whatever. And they just wouldn't admit it or it was still seen as like taboo, you know. And a lot of that has to do with race and the way our culture set up. And I just always just was drawn to it. I mean, I could feel it like just you couldn't help but just fall in love with it. This is how I felt. And my very first cassette tape that I ever bought, my very first album that I ever bought that was my very own. Now, I take that back. Somebody did get by me for my birthday, a good family friend. I consider them like cousins. But they got me the Vanilla Ice album. Was it To the Extreme, to the something like that. So I did actually have that in my possession. And then my mom and dad, or I think my mom actually is the one that bought it. But we went to a wedding, and at the reception they played Tone Loke. And I think my mom went out and got a Tone Loke record (laughs) shortly thereafter because she liked it. it. You know, it was... It was a thing, you know, but my parents were very, you know, easygoing pretty much as far as music goes. There was a couple of things that they, they frowned upon that, you know, Nirvana, when that Nevermind came out, that was a little controversial. They weren't none too happy about me having that album. But when, um, I went and bought my first albums that I was so proud of because I bought them with my own money. I went to Sam Goody. That's, that's aging me right there, isn't it? And I bought two cassette tapes, and you, you go in, and the cassette tapes are like in, a, in these racks, like, you know, they have records, and they have these giant plastic casings on them, and that's to keep them from being stolen, so you take the, the cassette tape and these giant casings that are like four times the size of the actual cassette, and the cashier has to use a special apparatus to get them off, get them, get them off the cassettes, uh, so you don't steal them and walk through the little you know, scanners and make them go beep, 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 beep. So I walk up to the counter with my cassettes and their awkward giant uh, theft control devices. And at the time, I got to say, I I think I was like maybe seven or eight years old. Uh, I, I could be off by a little bit, but I was under the age of 12. I know that. And the cashier at the time, who was a white girl, and probably she was like between... 17 and 20 somewhere in there I don't know I was little they all looked old to me but she looks at the albums one of them was It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back by Public Enemy the other one was Sex Packets by Digital Underground they both had the giant parental guidance 
you know, explicit lyrics sticker on it. Thanks, Tipper Gore. And she looks at him. Oh, and Sex Packets, like I said, was the title of, of one of the albums. And she looks at me and she's like, you like rap? And I'm like, yeah, you know, duh, look how cool I am. And she's like, you know, and I felt like very condescending to me. Like, I remember that moment very clearly because I felt like she was like judging me. Not because I was buying two explicit albums at that age, nor the fact that one of them was entitled Sex Packets, but the fact that I was buying rap albums (laughs) that she found so like, you know, weird or off-putting or whatever it was. So nowadays it's everywhere. It's all over the globe and I love it. And I, I, I embrace it as someone that's followed hip hop through it, its different stages and kind of grown up with it. And, you know, in the heyday, the nineties, like the heyday of hip hop, the golden years, I guess you could say, where you had like, uh, you know, like, of course, Tupac, Biggie, you have Big L, Nas, Jay-Z and and all these huge names coming out that are just like classic, classic artists, you know, and, and the eighties too, Slick Rick and, and Tribe Called Quest, all that. It's, it was beautiful watching that develop and evolve to what it is now. And nowadays, I think the younger people that didn't grow up with it, it's, sort of, you know, you have to have an appreciation for, for that stuff to really appreciate what's going on now. Also, I think, appreciate the fact that it was so taboo that you don't really understand. Like, we talked about this in the interview too, with Savage Five, he, uh, he was saying that Eminem really is what brought that to the forefront, to the mainstream commercial audience and made rap iconic. And at first I was think I disagreed with him I thought he was saying that you know Eminem was the first iconic rapper I was like oh no hell no like that's that's got to be Biggie or Tupac or somebody and then I realized what he was saying you can't have something come into icon status fully with you know on a global scale unless it's accepted globally and that's what Eminem did because he took it and brought it to uh, a mainstream audience, which the majority of record buyers are white. And so that's, I think, when it shifted and started becoming more mainstream. So everybody pays respect to Eminem, who's who's like a true hip-hop fan. And, you know, I never even really was into Eminem until recently. I I appreciate his newer stuff, actually, more than I like his older stuff. And it was never about the fact that he was white for me. And I just, I wasn't, it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my jam, you know? Um, but that being said, I acknowledge the fact that as a white person, this is a, a, a black American genre of music and you have to, I think as an artist who partakes in this, who, who, who takes this genre of music and tries to make a, make their way in it, acknowledge the fact that this is something that doesn't belong to you you know and if you do that and you have fun with it and you do something different and creative and and you make it your own in a unique way that is respectful and still showing respect there are certain artists out there that I won't name but people that come up on these um, user-based websites like YouTube, SoundCloud, MixCloud, whatever 
that are just opportunists uh, that are appropriating and and taking without giving back and not showing respect to the originators of the the genre in their interviews or in their music itself or whatever are basically just thieves and no better than somebody that just you know steals someone's lyrics or steals someone's beats so i think we everybody needs to be mindful of that at the same time realizing that sometimes things get bigger than than we are and things now with hip-hop and rap are global and there are like there's a russian rap group that i like there's um you know there's a french guy like i can't remember his name i think it's Henri or something i listen to mexican rap cartel de santa and all that so it's it's it runs the gamut and everybody around the world is enjoying it and appreciating it and it's a cool thing it's kind of a scary thing it can get watered down at times uh, there's a lot more female rappers that do different things than there were when I was growing up so that's cool it's cool to watch and listen to and, and enjoy but like I said you just always have to remember to show respect to the culture that originated because with every great music like we talked about in the interview if you haven't heard it yet go check it out it's a two-part interview, so it's kind of long. I know everyone's attention span is like, you know, a speck of dust these days. But I broke it up into two parts to make it palatable. And it's it's an entertaining interview. We got another one coming up um, that's even more entertaining for Halloween. And I'll just say we were both pretty lit, so it's, it's good stuff. Uh, but it's shorter, too. So if you can't handle that much Savage 5 and try to show at one time, you'll definitely be able to take in this bite-sized episode as well as the upcoming episodes I have we have other um, other artists that we're going to be talking to uh, some very uh, new school and some old school that all the old heads are going to really appreciate it's going to be really exciting I can't wait Um, so good stuff coming up here and as always I want to thank you for listening so much Uh, this is a not-for-profit show so I, I don't make money off it I don't you know, any donations or whatever that I might possibly get are going to go to charity. So, copyright lawyers, back the fuck off. Because, yeah. And Digital Underground, if you have a problem with me using this song, hit me up at troytoshow at gmail.com. I will also take listener questions that I'll read on my show. Now, or if you have somebody you know, or if you'd like to be interviewed on our show, hit us up at that email address. We're also on Twitter, Twitter, Troy to Show. T-R-O-Y-D-A-S-H-O-W and this sh- uh, group I'm sorry, this show actually originated with a Facebook group that I started because I love hip-hop so much um, the group is facebook.com slash group slash Troy to Show uh, you can join, you can be a part of history right now and we also have a page that's in its infancy it's uh, facebook.com slash Troy to Show so Instagram and all that stuff is in the works but I really, really need y'all to stick with me on this journey it's going to be a wild ride and if you love hip-hop you're going to love what we have coming up so stay tuned i'll see y'all next time bye-bye